uh, we've got it plastered up everywhere. Uh, we actually call it Thursday in the City, but the THINK acronym is the most important name for it because that's, that's what we'll be doing each week uh, this spring and then again in the fall. We're going to take a break in the summer. Considering questions that loom large over our society and, and large in our, in our minds. And questions are the key to Thursday in the city. Each week we're trying, anyway, to dig into some questions uh, that maybe you've been asking for a, a long time or maybe even some questions that you've been afraid to ask. And we all have those uh, kinds of questions for sure. And our goal isn't necessarily to, to produce answers. And that may be a little counterintuitive uh, because you think, I I'm going to go to church for answers or I'm going to go around people of faith for answers or, or whatever. It's not that we don't make any claim to you know, believe answers, but here in these discussions, our goal is to focus on questions and to place ourselves into the, into the kind of posture, uh, the posture of humility, which is what is, that's where the best questions come from, in which we will listen more deeply than ever to each other, and then together listen for God, who's not far from each one of us. Now, <clears throat> a recent study suggests that younger Americans aren't really having sex uh, these days. Now, when I was growing up, that was called every single kid I knew up through high school graduation. Um, now, I knew some kids had to be having sex, but they were out of the mainstream, literally out of the actual mainstream, because I lived in a town with a river through it, and so they were off by the shallow part of the river smoking weed and, uh, you know, with the wild kids. So that's what we called them, wild kids. I was I was mild. You take the W and you turn it upside down, and I was mild. Um, and I ran around with mild kids. And some of the mild kids talked a big game, but that was only on Wednesday nights in empty Sunday school rooms when our mothers were in choir practice. Um, and, of course, that was only my, that was just my limited perspective uh, of place than I The larger world was, wild, was a, you know, a wilder place than I thought it was then. Um, but now it's not so much that people are wild, uh, it's that they're lonely. Because um, the structures of society that kept them connected, connected have largely evaporated, really. Schools, businesses, even churches often don't reinforce community and connectedness uh, and fellowship. I mean, you can find anecdotal evidence to the contrary, but in large part, uh, we're kind of on our own in our society, and social media keeps ratcheting up the one-upsmanship on coolness, I think, and sex has been, sex has become kind of a, a pursuit of finding and expressing one's identity. That's what sex uh, has become, uh, while marriage has become a wedding, uh, which has in turn become a social media spectacle requiring awesome lighting and killer video editing, and if it's just hard to get in that game. You have to, you have, to have some star power. 
Now, thank God, thank God that that's not the whole story. But it's, it's really a larger part of the story than it used to be. And it's, that part of the story is having some real-world effects. It's hard to make friends or harder to make friends. It's harder to get married than it used to be. And all of that complicates sex, and all those things make for a society that's getting more separated from one another than ever before. And this is true certainly in the non-religious world, but also among people of faith. So we'll talk tonight about uh, how we can use the raw materials of mind and Christian teaching to envision a better way, and then talk about how to build that way, because it's not good for us to be alone. We need friendship in order to be more fully human. Also, as a society, we need marriage. Um, and we need sex to stay in its lane. You know, sometimes it, it takes a, a larger share than it should of, of our reality. Uh, but until, until we work on making a society that encourages and supports friendship and marriage and community, we'll have a harder time knowing what to do with sex. Uh, so... That said, welcome to Thursday in the city, everybody. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do all kinds of things to find somebody else to talk to or to live with or to tell us we're not crazy. And you know, sometimes we get into our own heads and we get afraid and we don't know how to live with other people. And so we, we do things that are perhaps um, just a, a workaround. I pray, Lord, that as we talk about the, the concepts that we're going to discuss tonight, that you you will help us to do the deeper work necessary to, to look at ourselves and take an inventory, really. And then in humility to reach out to one another and help each other know that we don't have to do all of this work all by ourselves. I pray that we'll build a fellowship that that is really a help to one another, Lord. We're counting on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, next week, next Thursday, May 9, uh, we're going to be talking about the opioid crisis. Um, opioid abuse is skyrocketing. I, I don't... We just have got to talk about this. And among... Uh, among all demographics, it's, it's, it's skyrocketing, uh, skyrocketing, but among women, it's just off the charts, you know. So, it's just, this is a real thing, um, and it's tearing lives apart, maybe yours. Um, UT Health Science Center assistant professor and at-risk family expert Lisa Cleveland is going to join us next week for a conversation on the problem everybody knows about, but hardly anybody talks about. So that's uh, the opioid crisis next next week. Um, and then um, 
also each week uh, these episodes we podcast these so if you if you miss a week or if you would like a friend to hear what's uh, what has gone on here uh, you can just look up iTunes uh, and uh, type in Thursday in the city and this will come up and we usually have these episodes up um, by early the next week, like by Monday. Tonight's episode will probably uh, be up Monday or Tuesday. Anyway, uh, and you can look, listen to past episodes as well. You can also send that link to somebody that uh, you may think is, uh, would be interested in that uh, or be helped by that. And uh, now uh, we're going to have some, do we have our table talk slide? Oh, yeah. Um, just at your tables, talk these things over here. Are there more voices encouraging you to stay married or more voices encouraging you to get married? Uh, that's, of course, uh, if you're unmarried. Um, and then what's difficult about dating? And then what did you misunderstand about marriage before you got married? Um, and there may be some people in here that misunderstood nothing about marriage before you got married. I, I don't know. We, we all want to talk to you. Um, but anyway, those three questions, uh, just talk those over at your tables, and then we'll do something else. Go.
this. Okay, everybody. Um, let me tell you a couple of things before we uh, before we get going. We are going to have a Q and A time after uh, after our conversation here, and here's how we're going to do this. Um, just go to slido.com or sly s l i dot d o, and um, you'll uh, search for. Uh, Thursday, or, or just enter the code THINK, uh, T-H-I-N-C. Um, you enter that code, and it'll take you to the screen, and you can type your question in, and I'll get it. Um, so um, you can, that's how we're going to ask these, uh, these questions here. So again, go to sli.do, type in T-H-I-N-C, and um, I'll get those questions. Um, okay, now... Um, Again, welcome to Thursday in the City. Our guest this week is Mark Regneris, and uh, Mark is a professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Austin, um, and his research is in the areas of sexual behavior, family, marriage, religion. Uh, Mark is author of over 40 published articles and book chapters in three books, Premarital Sex in America, How Young Americans Meet, Mate, and Think About Marrying. I've always loved that title, that subtitle there. Did you come up with that, or was that the publisher? That was you. Okay. Um, How Young Americans Meet, Mate, and Think About Marrying. Um, and Forbidden Fruit. These are all very provocative titles. Wait till you hear the third one. Uh, Forbidden Fruit, Sex and Religion in the Lives of American Teenagers. Great stuff. And then uh, his latest book is entitled Cheap Sex um, and the Transformation of Men, Marriage, and Monogamy. And um, so you like that alliteration, which is good. Uh, men, Marriage, and Monogamy, but Cheap Sex. I have, that, I have that book in my office, and people who come into my office, I've had to move it because they, they would stop at the doorway as they were exiting, and they'd go, Cheap sex? What is this? And, you know, it was, an, it was a, it was actually, a, maybe I shouldn't have moved it because it was actually an opportunity to sell your book. Um, and that book, uh, the cheap sex book, he, he describes the world that has come uh, to be due to the influence of technology on sex and sexuality. In, in a future... Um, Thursday in the city uh, down the road, we're going to look at the technological aspects of sex in, um, with the rise of sex robots as well. And so that's, uh, we've, we've talked about that just a little bit um, a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, but uh, we're going to look at that a little further later on. Mark's work has been widely reviewed, including in Slate, uh, the Dallas Morning News, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, The New Yorker, all glowing articles praising to the heavens uh, Mark Regneris' work. No, a lot of them are slamming him uh, big time, uh, but he's... Oh, those were good ones. Okay, all right. All right, you, you didn't include the bad ones. That's good. Uh, but, the, but the comments section uh, is uh, uh, of those. Yeah, those can go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's Mark. Please welcome Mark Regneris here tonight, if you would. 
I, I didn't mention that, that he's been appearing with us uh, since 2011, uh, since there was another building on the site. That was his first, uh, well, maybe his second appearance uh, with us was the old 4th Street Cafe when it was here. Um, now, Mark, we're, we're hearing now that people are having less sex. That, what was that study uh, mm-hmm. That was done. Yeah. Was that late last year, or wh- when did that come out? Um, it's it, it, it's tied to a, a data set that is issued every two years called okay. the General Social Survey. So I don't know if there was an article or if you know people just got grabbed the data. Well, I read it, it in the it, in the Atlantic okay. monthly, right. but uh, right. originally. But um, now, what should we make of? I mean, young younger Americans, I guess it was mm-hmm. the the demographic mm-hmm. focused on there are having less sex. Do we is that a good thing? Do we do we say yeah. yay right. or do we say what or do we say Ooh, yeah. that's bad? As a what? researcher, I say what? Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's good. That's the research. Um, it's an interesting development. I'll say that right because uh, it's not that it has been surging in the past, but the. The General Social Survey has been collecting data on this from 1972 all the way to present. So they have a pretty good understanding of what's been happening in each of these years. And it was fairly steady. I forget the the exact numbers. But then in 2016, it dropped in a statistically significant manner. Like a a cliff? Not quite a cliff, but, you know, a uh, accelerating downwards. Okay. Um, not a massive amount. I mean, it amounted to like seven to nine different uh, events, acts of intercourse over the course of a year. So we're not talking about a ton, but statistically significant drop yeah. across married and cohabiting Americans. Okay. So it's not like, you know, something has gone wrong with marriage per se. It's like something has gone wrong with couples in the sense of, you know, not what you would expect, so to speak. So married or not, sex dropped. 2014 to 2016. And so a bunch of us were like, okay, fine. Maybe it's just a data blip. Uh, wait till 2018 data come out. And 2018 data came out, what, two months ago? And it dropped again statistically significantly. Like, this is... Now, something real. So, um, what to make of it? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm in a Baptist church. I should say, you know, it's good in some, for some people. It's bad for other people. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, <laughs> but isn't it? it? We, we, question, we tend to say, if we're church people, we tend right. to say, well, that's... Finally, those young people are... You no, know, because but, this is... But it's really not... Uh, not about young people, It's more complicated yeah. than that. In fact, the young people have had a statistically significant drop going on for quite some time, right? And so people have kind of cheered that to some extent. I've always been of the mindset, like, well, try to figure out what's going on and why before you start cheering something you don't understand. Right. So yeah, I think good advice, actually. Uh, I think what we're seeing is, in general, a negative development. People are okay. Say more about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, so whether you think they ought to be in such a relationship or not, people who are in a sexual relationship, I mean, there's they, they there's this arc towards togetherness. 
and, and, and sexual intimacy. So when you start to see that decline, um, regardless of their marital status, you've got to like, what's going on here, yeah, right? Right. And, you know, since it affects marriage as well as these other arrangements, you know, it, it's, it, it's clearly not something natural mm-hmm. in that sense, right? So what is it? Well, that, that's the problem is the General Social Survey, they've asked these questions since 1972. Sometimes the factors that might be help us to understand this, they haven't changed how they've asked about those in order to compare them. So, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are fingering technology, right? That it, it kind of gives us this dopamine boost, right? It doesn't have to be pornography. It is in some people's cases. But it's um, the but dopamine boost. But even if it's not, I mean, like, even, you know, a ping of an email, like, does it for lots of us. What? Right. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. Let me check and see what, you know, junk mail that yeah. is, right? I mean, it, it, it Or likes on social attention. media or whatever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that And that used uh, to come from sex, but now it comes from other things? Well, it's come from lots of things, but it is coming more heavily from our social media technology than it used to. Plus, um, you know, we have streaming content in a way that we never used to. Like, right. Even a handful of years ago, you know, oh, I can't wait till next week's episode of next week? Why wait till next week? Just stream the bloody thing and, and yeah. in continuous fashion. So we now um, binge watch things, which, um, you know, if you think about like the the ideal rhythm of a, a married couple's life, it should include sexual intercourse with some regularity, right? Yeah. And what takes people away from that should be viewed suspiciously, right? Whether that's your mother-in-law calling, you know, every night at ten, or you know, your own <laughs> choice to watch, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. TV shows in consecutive right. order. We are not sort of facing our beloved in quite the same consistency that we used to. And so that's bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there, there are these things that are encroaching yeah, well, on th- that time. We should be moving towards each other. Whether you're married or you're, or you're falling in love, you want to, to be, you know, you want to to pay attention to your beloved, and right. things are, are pulling our attention away. And so we should be suspicious of that. I, but just calling it out is, I don't think it does a bit of good. Right. I mean, people it, it, have to well, really actively yeah. work to resist this. I, I'm, I keep wondering where the, you know, if there is a breaking point. I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this, you know, social media phenomenon or screen yeah. time or, you know, binge watching or whatever. You know, it used to be Netflix and chill, and now it's just Netflix. I mean, that's right. the, the chill yeah. has, has gone away. Um, and so, so what? I mean, how, where can this go? We just cocoon ourselves into our yeah. I, I don't quite know what to expect. I mean, some of these, some of my own predictions in this domain don't come to be. So, I would hesitate to say. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we're going to bottom out here soon, and people are going to turn their attention back to each other. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, uh, 
will we, you know, we're probably not going to statistically significantly drop in this domain every two years for the next 20. So some of it might settle out, but I'm not expecting that to turn around anytime soon. So um, well, in this domain, <laughs> to, for lack of a better phrase, like things just get worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems consistent. Okay. Way. Good night, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> things get worse. Um, so you, know, you think about like the marriage, marriage rates are still tumbling. Um, yeah. Uh, divorce rates, I should say, have leveled off, but that's only because um, people are more and more reticent to get married in the first place. So the divorce rate has to go down to some extent. Right. Yeah, well, it's the, gone these up things, against these things that look good 40. don't really mean that right. good things are happening. That's right, so, exactly. Yeah. So uh, you know, T tonight's you version headline. is called "Hell in a Handbasket." That's what we're uh, <laughs> talking about here. Um, so, uh, all right. So it sounds like bad news. I mean, less less sex in general uh, across whatever. I mean, if you think historically about what, what kind of things take our attention off of each other, mm -hmm. that's really powerful. I mean, because over human history, not much has. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the human race has, has procreated and yeah. gone on, so clearly yeah. not yeah. much has. But now, uh, here we are. Okay, let's shift sure. just a little yep. bit to, um, it's been four years since Obergefell, 2015, oh, yeah. same-sex right. marriage, you know, Supreme Court, yep. all that, yep. became the law of the land. Um, some people would say, you know, uh, of course, I remember tuning in to some NPR report uh, about 20 late, that was in summer of 2015, mm -hmm. late in 2015. It's been four months and the yeah. sky hasn't fallen you know, so yeah, who I know the sky would just, fall. Yeah, I know. It, it's <laughs> people so, claim that, but it's been four years yeah. now. So, any thoughts right. about about that move of our society, sure, sure. And, and does it affect other marriages or yeah or not? Yeah. Um, you know, I never thought the sky would fall. I mean, I, I it wouldn't actually have an impact except slowly, right? So the thing is, I predicted this in the last book, that eventually we would probably uh, see sort of a peak interest in the, the thing because there's some degree of pent-up demand. Right. But then you'd see that after that you'd, it would level off and then you'd start to see kind of like the, the true interest in marrying someone of the same sex. Um, and it's not impressive, frankly. Uh, at no, the same no, what time, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? It's, by it's that? not. It's not high, right? It's, these are. This is not a, uh, a phenomenon you, that 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 is going to to. You mean that the interest in in marrying somebody of the same sex correct. has not surged? Yeah. No. I mean, okay. after the pent up demand has declined, and you're four years into it, so um, we're seeing fewer of them. Uh, the thing is, we're also seeing fewer marriages in general, right? Okay. So, I predicted in the book in 2017 that um, the rate of decline of same-sex marriage should be steeper than that among uh, opposite-sex couples, um, and uh, at the same time, different countries are kind of 
wrestling over this right now so that there is some sort of shared politicization of this that, you know, America's experience, you know, exports to parts of Europe and things like that. So yeah. uh, it's, it's probably still too early to tell what the sort of true level of interest in this is. Okay, yeah. Um, but it's not high. Uh, and another thing that it is, you know, the question you had asked is, uh, do, does it affect marriage in general? And I think it, it does. People said it wouldn't, right? How could this affect you? Well, some people said, you know, there's, in the popular mind, really, marriage is kind of one thing, right? Um, and so, insofar as it no longer has to do with a distinctive sex, man and woman, that means it no longer has anything inherently to do with child rearing or fertility as well. Right. So you start right. to see, okay, what does marriage mean to both opposite sex and same-sex couples? Increasingly kind of the same thing, which is historically not what marriage has been characterized by. Okay, right? now, now hang on just a second. Yeah. You're saying, it, are, are, are you saying that, are, are you speaking from your own intuition or are you speaking from what, what you've studied from data? here yeah. from data? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that marriage is now beginning to mean something else than it historically has? Yes. To men and sure. women who get married and to same-sex couples who get married. Right. And frankly, to Christian marriages as well. It mean, Okay. What is it meaning yeah. to them? Yeah. Well, it, what it, it is increasingly meaning to everybody seems to be, um, uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily the soulmate model, but it is, you know, it is... Intimate love and, you know, um, companionship, right? Okay. It has increasingly little to do with, oh, children, right? Yeah. I mean, children have become kind of, not necessarily an afterthought, but uh, unless you get married older, if you get married older, then children are more on your head than if you're marrying in your 20s, typically speaking. So people are marrying. But even that, kind of, even that used to not be the case, though, right? What's that? I mean, marrying younger means that children are less central to the question right. of They're, what's going to happen. It's less central today. Yeah. It did not used to be right. less central because people would ha often have their first child before they were 22. So right. now yeah. we think, oh, 28, 29, 30. Yeah. Um, or you have children and then you pursue marrying. So children are kind of separated from the vision of what marriage is, right. which, you know, historically... Marriage actually was centrally about children. Well, I, that's what I've wondered. I, I mean, now you, you have this focus on, you know, we are, you know, today I'm marrying my best friend. Right, right, You know, that you, right. you see that sort of cliche kind of thing. And then, <clears throat> and you have this big spectacle of celebration. And then, you know, eight years later, you may have a kid uh, right. come on the scene. If it's a, or if it's an, Opposite sex couple, or if it's a same sex couple, they'll adopt, you know, at some point. But the point is that children are not the point. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a huge shift historically in what marriage has meant. Now, Mark, I want to ask you is, does that mean then that a, a marriage 
historically understood mm-hmm. was for procreation and the and for um, it was ordered toward that uh, ordered toward procreation and it was for the purpose of building a stable home for the next generation. Right. Yeah. And and, and the and if that doesn't idea, happen, the it, idea is that you. you this is an exchange relationship, really, between a man and a woman. They bring their strengths and weaknesses. Men have strengths and weaknesses, so do women. And they, you know, I mean, this is not that saying it has nothing to do with love. Of course it has to do with love. You, you marry someone who, whom you love, right? You don't want to exchange relationship with somebody you can't stand, right? Right. So you, you, you bring your strengths and weaknesses, and together you accomplish more than you could apart, right? At the same time, like, what are the things that sort of surround that marriage that give it support? Uh, expectations that it is kind of a totalizing institution, that it's not like this one small segment of your life. Um, no, but there's, there's family connect, yeah, connections right. there's, uh, around You're there. expecting fidelity. Yeah. You're expecting permanence. I mean, who goes to a wedding and say, uh, you know, here's to five years, you know? I mean, right. nobody toasts to that, right? right? So we still actually think <laughs> about these things. We expect them. Um, Until next year. Right? Uh, yeah, right. Here's to our two-year rolling co- contract. <laughs> right. um, exactly. As well as children, because children used to just, you know, follow upon a marriage um, very, often very quickly, right? Right. Uh, so these kinds of supports are thinning, right? Because it's just, hey, you want to be companions for life, that kind of thing? Which is, uh, you know, that, I don't know that that's, that's it's like a, strong a formalized, enough to sustain A formalized friends with benefits. Right. I mean, that so, apparently is less benefits than ever since right. people are having less sex than ever. Um, so, friends with fewer benefits. Right. I don't it's, know. Uh, so yeah. I think the... You know, the meaning of marriage has certainly changed. And I don't see that it's a, a radically different meaning for heterosexuals than it is for homosexuals. Or frankly, for Christians. Well, and that was my next question. I mean, because they, also they, the, have, they have this vision too. So the church too is expressing some, some fuzziness on what marriage actually means. Yeah. Christians. Right. They often have clear boundaries about who is allowed to marry and who is not. Right. But if you sort of pick it apart, like why does this couple marry and that couple marry and then that couple marry, inside the church, outside the church, gay, straight, like they're, they're fundamentally thinking similarly so far as I can tell. And I think, you know, I think that's not good for... Like, if we want to think about what is Christian marriage, is, and is Christian marriage anything distinctively different? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, not and Well, and we're going to go full okay. on into, right. you know, Christian marriage here in just... A, okay. With this next... Actually, with this next question. Um, but before we depart that, same-sex marriage does... Is, are you saying that the general move to, inc- to include same-sex marriage in the definition of marriage has accelerated 
how everybody views marriage. Yeah, I don't know if it has accelerated. Frankly, I think it was a product of it. Okay. That yeah. it has a since marriage a, is not since marriage since sex is not just for procreation anymore, then right same sex right marriages. And, and if you also think about deal? the exchange relationship that between men and women, insofar as men and women are increasingly similar in what we expect of each other, etc. You know, are we two producers and? Mutual consumers of goods. So like, differences between men and women are being more similar. Like, you know, we're we're modeling this. Right, right. right. Differences right. between men and women are de-emphasized sure. anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, insofar as you don't have much of a distinction between men and women, you might as you can well see the marry a dude. You can see the pathway. That, yeah. Right. Exactly. You're not going to do that, but <laughs> right. like you can see the pathway where oh, this is why do we forbid it? For this class. Well, course. right. right. And, and that is, um, this is part of a, a longer conversation, sure, sure. but you, you trace that back to, you, or you could make an argument that contraception at the outset uh, started this kind of reasoning, like, well, sex is sure. not just, yeah. sex is not connected anymore to having children. Right. It's just connected to Pleasure or desire or whatever, yeah, absolutely. And then when you when you delink those things, then any then anything then goes. Lots of things are possible. But the mm-hmm. but you could go farther back than that, though, Mark. I mean, the couldn't you? I mean, the desire to create something like the pill uh, in the first place was this drive to delink those things, right? Actually, the the drive it was not so much to delink it. The, the initial impulse was uh, twofold. It was one so that married women could have fewer children than they were having, right? You know, they could have three or four instead of seven or eight. Right. Um, and time them in a little bit better fashion. Yeah, but I mean, the want. drive to do that? Right. I mean, so, but now I forgot what the other point was. Well, I'm sorry. Hey, I, I you interrupted go. you. But, it'll but come it, back to me. The, the desire to... to Thin out the population of, of children right. okay, from so a marriage. The other, the other. Speaking of that, the other inclination was um, uh, I'm blanking on the term, but it was you know to encourage certain people not to reproduce at all, right? So it it had an inclination both to limit fertility. You mean socially to, marginalized people or undesirables yeah, right, or? or right. Or people who were not white or whatever, you didn't want them to reproduce. Right, right. It was it was less uh, a race thing than than it was sort of a social class thing. It, it might have been a race thing insofar as social class and race were more tightly bound. So it was intended wow. uh, okay. to limit fertility. Uh, so, but what it did <laughs> is something f- quite a bit different. Right. Well, that's the, the unexpected consequences, unintended right? Consequences. Yeah, sociologists are very interested you, in. You just right. Sociologists don't talk about this one because they are so uh, in bed with, for lack of a better pun, um, uh, uh, sort of the fertility limitation movement right. that, you know, they have a hard time sort of seeing anything problematic about the rise in it. Got it. So, no, but I think it, it, it is a, 
you know, it also, we see rates of, um, especially among women, sort of same-sex experimentation in the late teens, 20s, and that usually bottoms out uh, later, like in the 30s. Like, where did this come from, right? One could say, oh, you know, it's this pent-up demand. Like, no, I mean, if it was pent-up demand and, and women's sexual orientation was somehow immutable and stable, you wouldn't see a U-shaped curve in the share of people, women who self-identify as something besides entirely heterosexual. Okay. But we, you know, it's, not, it's like 79%, uh, which, you know, the converse is 21% of 20-something-year-old women self-identify as something besides completely heterosexual today. One-fifth one right? of yeah. women? One so, in five? Really? Yeah, and it's not stable, right? Okay. So where did this come from? Well, when, when in, a, in a previous era, when people were having children, and I'm not saying that they ought to, but when people were having children stably in their early 20s to no later than mid-20s, like, you, weren't, you didn't have time to experiment with squat. You had a child on the way, I see. right? So Got it. This, the contraceptive era has ushered in this period called the 20s when people don't worry about fertility in, in quite the same way. And so they, and they, they think about other yeah, things they or they experiment sexually things, or whatever. Right? Yeah. So um, that, that too is a, a product of uh, the uptake of contraception. I mean, and I didn't say that. I'm not, I'm not this kind of crazy right-winger saying this. This Anthony right. Giddens, the, one of the top sociologists in the world, um, former head of the London School of Economics, said that in 1992, right, 27 years ago. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. Um, <clears throat> I will say, uh, you, you know, the, the friends that I have who are gay... Uh, some of them are celibate, some are not, and, and the ones who are not do celebrate uh, people of the of same sex, you know, of the same sex getting married. Right. And, um, you know, they would say, how can you, you know, how can you push back against that? I mean, these are... Uh, these two people love each other, and they, you know, but, but this only, what we're, you're saying what we're talking about here, we're talking about a different uh, concept of what it means to be together right. than we used to talk about. Right. Yeah, so, so yeah. somewhere along the last roughly 100 years, certainly compressed in the last 40 or 50, the meaning of marriage subtly shifts um, I won't say for everyone, but for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So there's, you can think of it in two different ways. One, some people say there are marriage naturalists and marriage planners, right? And marriage naturalists are a little bit more likely to marry a little bit earlier and th think of the union as sort of this naturally productive thing. Okay. Uh, you could also think in terms of, uh, I, I prefer this second way, um, People for whom marriage is functional or foundational, and people who think marriage is a capstone, right? Sort of the crowning achievement of uh, an accomplished young adulthood. Oh, right? I've heard you talk about this before. Yeah. Uh, so when you think about marriage as 
foundational. It's, you know, it's at the foundation. You, right. you, you start there. It's at there the outset of your adulthood. Build on it, yeah. right? You accomplish amazing things together. Whereas if marriage is a capstone, like, you are on your own to um, make your way in the world and achieve successes and become marriageable, right? Become something somebody else will want right. to spend, you know, the rest of their life with and hopefully still have some children with. And so that may be that, age 32. later, age, yeah. minimally later in your 20s, if not your 30s, yeah. right? So the, but it's... the. the Age is not as important as the mindset, right? right. Like, it's just I'm how you're thinking about it. looking to achieve a marriage rather than, like, start with one. Right, right, right. So, this Found stone or cap, is, uh, found, is... Foundation or capstone, yeah. So, when people say, oh, why are you preventing us from marrying this person we've loved and looked for? Like, this is uh, evidence of this wide shift in the meaning of marriage, Got when it. you do it, why you do it. Um, so, and it's not just this technology. You think about, um, I mean, contraceptive technology was not going to help same-sex couples have children. Right, right, right. So, but we think about other kinds of technologies have enabled straight couples to have children mm -hmm. apart from the act of sexual intimacy. That's right. right? then why are you denying this to, you know? So you can kind of readily see the pathway to how we got to where we were, and it didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it came, frankly, with the church's complicity. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And we, we didn't have much to say about that early on, I guess. Some of it, you know, um, you didn't see it coming, and the changes were so subtle and slow, and they could be spun in a positive light, Right. And then all of a sudden we're shocked when uh, the boundaries... When the Supreme are, you Court, know, you know, yeah. says... So, yeah, Right. Um, okay. Well, now, your newest book is, uh, as I understand it, is The Future of Christian Marriage. Is yeah, that the title? It doesn't exist The yet, Future of Christian yeah. Marriage? Right. I'm sorry, what? It doesn't exist yet. Oh, yeah, but, okay. Uh, well, you're... It will be called... It's in my computer. It, but it, is that the, is <laughs> that the, the title? title yeah. Okay, The Future of Christian Marriage. Yeah, I don't know if it has a subtitle. Not yet. Okay. Well, let's, we're, gonna, we're going to have suggested subtitles tonight. Right. You're going to pick one, and the winner will get an all-expenses-paid trip to the UT campus. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, now, so what about... What are you doing in that project, the future of Christian mm -hmm. marriage? Um, first of all, what is, how does a sociologist measure Christian marriage? Yeah, is well, it that, a Christian marriage yeah. if they like have a unity candle? I mean, what, <laughs> what are you talking about right. here? No, it's, it's a, that's a great question because I had to answer that before I got into data collection. Like, who am I going to talk to? How am I going to define this? So it's an international project, um, partly because I got tired of studying the United States and... Um, <laughs> And I, I could tell where our warts were, and I was kind of interested in like, well, have we exported this? <laughs> so and I want, and, and plus, like, we've are exported also, are there everything good else. Ideas one, one out there that we don't know yeah. about, right. right? So it's in seven countries. Uh, the data collection, which is l largely done, no, oh, it is done. Um, oh, measurement, right? How did I measure this? Uh, I started with a fairly baseline. 
uh, angle in, I'm, I want to talk to young adult Christians, self-identified Christians, self-identified, roughly between okay. the ages of 24 and 35, although that's a little flexible, um, who attend church services or mass at least once a week okay. on average, right? All right? So we're not talking about a high barrier, right? But it isn't a low barrier either. I mean, if you look in the population, these are not extensive patterns. But I didn't want to get into like, oh, do they, do they, do they get married in a church? Because some denominations. So, don't so you weren't saying that destination weddings. You weren't saying, you know, destination right. weddings don't count. Uh, no, I mean, like, you, you know, were, that was Catholics not frown on destination weddings. <laughs> they have different kind of destination. Let's go get married in this pretty parish, right? Right. And, right. So. It's, um, Instead of on the beach in Cancun or right. something. Yeah. So I'm not going to put that kind of uh, measurement barrier. So okay. it's basically just weekly church attendance, except uh, when I first, I, 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 one of my research sites in Moscow. And so when my Moscow site coordinator and I met, she said, Mark, we have a problem. <laughs> I'm like, what? And the problem, of course, was problem is, Russian collusion. <laughs> no, sorry. That was not the problem. <laughs> Sorry. But good guess. Um, <laughs> the problem is that in the Russian Orthodox Church, which is the dominant uh, uh, Christian group in Russia, church services are not simple, and so and they're not short, and they're not required like masses for Catholics. So people... <clears throat> including fairly devout Christians, are not known for going every week. So she said, Mike, we've got to lower this down to once a month. Okay. Really? They may just so go once a month they in, can. The, in the Russian yeah. Orthodox? Sure. <clears throat> or they can go for a half an hour. Um, so they have uh, the Eucharist or communion Oh, weekly. so they, they go, like, to part of the service, and then they may leave. Yeah, they can, right? Yeah. So I, I say in the book, like, how do I describe it to Americans who this is a foreign thing? Okay, so let's, you know, most people have kind of an understanding of how the Catholic Church works. Some Catholic worships, uh, masses are in Latin, right? They used to all be in Latin, now they're in the vernacular. But imagine this. So you, your church service is roughly two hours long. It's in Latin, and you have to stand okay. the entire time. All right. And if you want to take tell me more, if you want to take communion, you have to have confessed before that, right? Okay. Weekly, right? So wow. that's the barrier, in some ways, right? So I thought, okay, this is not. Let's. I can lower this to to, to monthly. So, anyways, okay. that's how we. All right. It's weekly for everybody else. We cut the Russians a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Russians got a discount. I'm telling because you, a, there's it's something a there. I may have to thing. seat a special counsel for that. Um, Okay, so so Christian marriage. All right. So the is what did you measure as far or, or what what are you sure. what are you looking at right. uh, here? Um, I asked a, a variety of questions. So these were uh, people, church-going Christians in Mexico, the United States, Spain, Poland, Russia, Lebanon, and Nigeria. So we've got the this wow. gamut okay. of Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, which is what I wanted. Okay. Um, I asked a variety of questions, not much about sex because, you know, I'm, I'm frankly not that interested in it in this, this time around. I've written about that, done there, been there. Okay, all so, right. So uh, I, was, I was mostly interested in on, on the sort of 
the move towards How are you going to sell this book if you don't talk about sex? Uh, Religion. Oh, got it. Sure. <laughs> right. Okay. That'll fly so, off the shelves. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so, asked a variety of questions, but the questions I've become most interested in are what do you think has, if anything, has changed about marriage, right? From their impressions about the past and the present. Um, I'm interested in sort of, uh, we call them gender roles. I mean, we used to call them sex roles, like distinctions between men and women and how that complicates marriage okay. or not. Okay. Uh, if it slows it down, speeds it up. Um, and kind of like their explanation for why marriage rates in their country and the average age, marriage rates have, have declined in average age of marriage has gone up. And I wanted to know their take on this. Okay. So, um, and they had a fair amount to say on this in, in most places. So, um, we can talk about the general thing. But uh, one of the things that just has jumped out is um, uncertainty. Uncertainty. Everybody seems uncertain. Like about the future, about this relationship, um, about their economic well-being. Uh, am I going to change? Will I think differently about this person? I mean, it, it, you know, you think, oh, I, economic uncertainty has been endemic for human history. Well, yeah, thing. I was going to say, I can so, understand that, but right. these other things, I mean, all, whether it was Russia or Afri uh, Nigeria mm -hmm. or... Some Poland, Eastern yeah, Europe, yeah. or whatever. That was a common uncertainty. Trait. Was okay. uh, you know, didn't did not know a country. Wow. So it's a, uh, and I don't know that it was exported by the the West. I'm not really entirely sure about this, but uh, you know, I, I, one fella comes to mind. So you think about it, like if people have kind of a tenuous uh, job experience or something like that, you you. you you want to push off getting married until things are more sure. certain. And right. I heard that with some regularity. Um, but I remember interviewing this doctor, uh, a, a medical student in, in Spain, and, his, and it just happened that his fiancé was also a medical student. Like, these are not two people who are um, experiencing economic uncertainty in their immediate future. Okay, all okay. right. But the guy, and I talked to him separately, was just sort of <laughs> racked with uncertainty. And here's another interesting thing. Like, you think about the exchange relationship. Um, and and, and this you, is, you, now, explain that phrase just a little exchange bit. Exchange relationship. relationship. Well, men and women bring different gifts and strengths and weaknesses to a relationship. Um, and they usually capitalize on their distinctiveness, right? You know, um, instead of just sort of bringing the same thing, you know, we're both great money makers. We both like this music. We both okay, so they have different skill sets, or they Correct. have different right. ways of thinking about things, right. approach so to the, problems. So one of the classic okay. hallmarks of ex exchange uh, notion of of marriage is that sometimes you will see a, a man who is not as attractive marrying a woman who you think, "Wow, what does she see in him?" Right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm familiar uh, with this. He has, you know, he's. he's She's out of his league, we'll yeah. say, right? So I this say, was the I'm case familiar. with this, this fellow, right? He's a little big, curly red hair. And then I met his, his fiance, and I'm like, wow, 
wow, you're a lucky guy, right? Right. What's the deal? So, so then he proceeds to tell me privately about all these uncertainties and, and fears he has about marrying this woman who seems fine, right? Yeah. Uh, and their ec- economic future seems bright. So where are we getting this kind of endemic uncertainty that it seems to be crippling people, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm So I'm are, are you going to tell us? Because I'm, I'm no, thinking, I'm Mark, what, it is, what's uh, the answer? Um, one of the sources, I, I'm, I'm quite confident, comes in sort of the globalization of information, right? We have exposure to a lot more things possibilities, not just material, Choices personal, and right? And, yeah. So when you ha- live in this world where there's just so much options, I think it is more difficult for people to like, put their foot down and say, I'm going with you, right? Well, Forsaking it, all others, we have this... Well, right. it's easier to forsake all others when you can't see them, right? Yeah, right. And now you can, right. right? Forsaking all the hypothetical others, but right. now you can actually see the others. Now yeah. they have told you they'd like to go out with you on your Match.com profile. Right, exactly, right? exactly. So uh, I think it is a little bit more difficult for people to do that. So I think technology is part of this, right? You keep looking around like technology harms sort of this age-old union in ways that we just didn't anticipate, mm-hmm. but in ways that we're kind of addicted to, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so is that the main driver of the uncertainty, you think? Um, it's hard to say because this is one of those things where people don't have a good explanation for what it is that caused it, right? Yeah. So I'm going to float this hypothesis that this was a, a key piece of it. Okay. Although not necessarily the, the technology the piece was a key, key piece. piece okay. Um, most of my colleagues in sociology and uh, the social sciences still, they want to go back to this age-old predictor of men's earnings, right? And they'll add women's earnings onto it as well, which is right. important. Um, but I'm cr- increasingly of the belief, like, no. You know, uh, once you meet a certain threshold, you're f- that's kind of fine, but, like, men's earnings, like, are not going to... Uh, as they improve, and we see some of the evidence of this in uniquely sort of men's work, like oil field work, mm-hmm. salaries are good, but marriage rates aren't going up because of oh, it. That's like they did in, yeah. the, in the coal industry in, uh, back in the 70s. You see an uptick in coal mining. You'd, you'd see an uptick in marriage and fertility. Now you see upticks in... Uh, like uh, the oil fields here and in North Dakota, you see uptick in fertility, but you don't see an uptick not in marriage. marriage, right? So you can't like mm. get men to marry because of money in the, quite the same way that once you could. And mar- marrying is also sort of this funky thing where like men have to do the asking. They don't have to, but they tend to, yeah. right? So they have to be, feel confident enough to do it. But for some e- even reason, in our feeling, sort, so-called oh yeah, enlightened absolutely. age, sure. it's still, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, women don't want to ask men to marry Right, them. right. They want him to ask, yeah. and they want to be asked, right? Yeah. So, um, and that's interesting. You know, I, honestly, every time, every, I think I've told you this before, but this is kind of a little bit of a side note, but every time I have uh, had a conversation with some, you know, just a random encounter like a, an Uber driver <clears throat> or a repairman who's come out to the house or mm-hmm. something like that. And, and 
every time that that person mentions, well, my girlfriend, blah, 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 or, you know, I'm living with my girlfriend, or, you know, whatever it may be, I, especially if they say, you know, if, if it sounds, you know, pretty certain that they're cohabiting, you know, I say, I, I have said several times, I've said, you need to ask that woman to marry you. And you know what that you know what the man says every time? Can you guess? He says, "That's exactly what she tells me all the time." And, and so they do. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. they want to be asked. I've never right. had any. That's just anecdotal, but I've never yeah. had anybody say, "Man, that's the last yeah. thing she wants." Right. Now it's, it tends to, to not be the, that kind of case, as you're yeah. right. Um, and one could say, oh, this is a throwback to some sort of older era. But, I mean, you start to sort of see primal signals of what marriage is in the asking, right? Like, what is marriage? Like, it's, it's you know, and, and Oh, like classic, just faint, sort of faint, latent, leftover absolutely. signals. Absolutely. They're that, not even leftover. Of what it used to be. They're not even leftover. They're, they're fairly central, actually. Wow. In the asking. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it signal? That he says, I'm going to be with you and, and provide for you, mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, let's have a family. I mean, that's in the back of his mind, typically speaking, right? If people don't want to have children, they, the, the likelihood that they will marry or marry, late, you know, or marry soon is, is much lower, right? Because mm -hmm. people yeah. still equate marriage with children as they ought, even though they've kind of stripped the union of the notion that children have something inherently to do with it. Yeah. So one of the conclusions I'm going to make in this book is, uh, and this is a change for me a few years ago, I used to be concerned about sort of the future of marriage, um, that it could kind of go away. What I think it will happen is the, the, the rates will continue to slide, but we're not going to, Marriage will never go away. I mean, it's, it's built into the human kind of social DNA. Mm -hmm. um, another example is, um, speaking of same-sex marriage, what we were talking about earlier, there's a, a Princeton writer, a uh, gay professor of politics, who was worried that gay men's penchant for uh, extramarital partners would somehow drift over into straight marriage, right? And I, at one time, I thought he might be right. Now I don't think it's, it's not true. It's not going to happen. So because, promiscuity that, that right. is because, observed in gay men partnerships right. would spill over into... Typically open agreements. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like, and he's worried that gonna, it's just going to drift over. And I, no, nah, it's not going to drift over because um, when you think about a, a, a man-woman marriage, right, Infidelity is always something that people lament. Yeah. They're not going to sort of openly endorse it. And if they do, because individual couples can do all sorts of things, if they openly endorse it, their children are not going to say, I want that too. I mean, it's got a sort of a short lifespan mm -hmm. because fidelity is close to the heart of marriage. Just like children are actually close to the heart of marriage. Mm -hmm. Permanence is close to the heart of marriage. So we can vote with our feet to not get married. Right. But in the future, we're not going to have some radically different vision.
vision of what marriage entails. So the asking of a man asking a woman to marry him signals some of this age-oldness about it, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not going to go away. It may become a seriously minority behavior for a while, okay. but it's kind of cooked into the, our social DNA, now, for now, lack of a better term. Based on that, based on that uh, remark, I do want to uh, say, and we're going we're gonna to wrap this up here and get to some questions, but um, is that an opening for communities of faith yes. to very carefully to, to say, okay, we're going to re-understand marriage. And, 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 and let me just say, not just that they teach it, because what they're teaching may not be what it's historically been. Yeah. Maybe the communities themselves need to say, we need to re-understand marriage. I think so. So this is one of the things I'm going to talk about in the book, is like I, started, I, I set out to study Christian marriage, and I wound up with a book on marriage in some ways, right? Because you mean you... Because I asked them what... Oh. I asked all these Christians, what do you think marriage is? And I asked them in two different ways to tell me what it is. And we got lots of different answers, right? I'm not mm -hmm. surprised at that. And so, you know, you'll see some answers that are sort of more typical of evangelical, more typical of Catholics, uh, Orthodox, I mean, all sorts of things. And different denominations have their own definitions, etc. Right. But then, you know, so I'm not defining Christian marriage. What I'm doing is I'm observing in their words and actions what the, the thing itself is in the middle, right? Yeah. And uh, how they actually live and what they actually do. Yeah, and then that what definition other people that rises do. up so from the, that. So, and so it, that kernel is about this exchange relationship between men and women. And surrounded, you know, it entails love, it entails sexual intercourse, but what's wrapped around it are these sort of safeguards, expectations of permanence, fidelity, totality, meaning like this is not a part-time thing, and expectations of children. They may not be able to have children, but it is, they are acting in such a way that that is sort of open to it, right? right? Even if they're marrying at age 60, right? Sure. Their children are long past it. Like, they're still operating in a kind of way. But These they are the safeguards of the thing in the middle, and Christians will add an additional layer, depending on the, their faith tradition, of kind of... So Catholics will often say marriage is a fundamental vehicle by which uh, a husband and wife help each other get to heaven, Right. Because it's a sacrament. Don't talk it's like a sacrament, that. right. They also yeah. say it's a sacrament, right? So um, that is a means of giving A, a channel grace. of the grace of God. Right. Uh, yeah. So okay. evangelicals don't say that. Uh, I forget. Orthodox kind of... Evangelicals kind of say it looks good on Instagram. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just don't use that language, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So different people have different visions for what Christian marriage is, but inside the middle is this thing that they might not recognize anymore or talk about, but it's still there. And how do I know it's still there? Because the further we get from, see, from talking about it that way or thinking about it that way, we're running away from marriage. Mm -hmm. I, so uh, I start the book with this table of what ha 1980, 1990 data, 2000 and up to 2015 in a variety of different countries. What are the, the share of 
women between the age of 25 and 29 who are currently married, right? Why do you say 25 to 29-year-old women? Like, I find 30 to 34-year-old women, 25-year-old 20 men. It's, it's just by degrees. But you see this decided decline, right? Um, so Czech Republic is fairly secular. In 1980, 91% of women between 25 and 29 were married. Mm. Today, 23%? Wow. 91 to 23. In a variety of these countries, they have uh, loosened barriers around marriage. They have mm -hmm. same-sex marriage. Like, shouldn't opening it up increase Marriage. It's appeal? And no, it doesn't, it doesn't. Because you can't change what it is and expect people to buy in. Right. Right? That's a great point. It, you change all the social supports around it. You mock fidelity. You disregard permanence. You forget children. And then you're surprised when marriage rates go down? Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the world we're living in. It's right. not some you know, this is what's going to happen. It's what is happening, isn't exactly. it? Um, okay, well, this is, uh, this is absolutely fascinating. Um, and by the way, um, well, we really need to get on to, uh, to this stuff here. So uh, let's look right. here. Questions? Uh, yes. <clears throat> okay, Mark, why is it so hard for dating couples to practice true love weights? Remember that true love weights, yeah. uh, especially it so especially especially seems hard for guys to wait, and and I know you have an answer yeah. for that because you've sure. talked at length about that right. kind of stuff. Uh, why is it hard to wait? Because human beings uh, have an, human beings in love don't want to wait, right? Yeah. So at at one level, you can look at this as a positive uh, observation, right? They a couple in love want to be together. Right. So, but see, there's very much, there's a great potential to misunderstand what you're saying. And the first time I had you here, we had a mini rebellion on our hands because people <laughs> were saying, he's, he's not saying to wait for sex. He's not, but that's not what you're saying. No, 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 you're no, saying no, no, that no, no. it is difficult yeah, right, for people right. to wait. Right. And it, 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 it's, it's difficult because difficult. it's difficult. If it yeah. wasn't, if it was a piece of cake, that marriage rates would really be in the tank. Yeah, right. right. If, if people didn't really. <laughs> that's right feel desire for each other, you know, then, then you know, things and, would be and more you, And you got into trouble on the wider national stage when you said uh, it's good for people to marry earlier because the later yeah, yeah, they wait... Yeah, that didn't work out so well, did Yeah, it, it didn't go down um, very I well at all. I have modified my view on that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, an early marriage in my mind was kind of in the 20 to 25, yeah. which is not crazy early. Um, but I think, you know, you need more social support and a little more social control if you're younger, right? So if, if people are marrying at 22 and they, you know, for example, if you uh, join the Navy and you, you, you get married and you and your 21-year-old bride live in, I don't know, San Diego or something, right? Uh, that can be difficult if you don't have a social support system yeah. and you're young and, you know, some degree of immaturity. Uh, the, the military used to supply you with lots of material goods for but doing But divorce this. rates would show that that's right. really... So, uh, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I've moderated my view of that a little bit, saying uh, you've got to have social support behind you. 
But statistically, the longer people wait for marriage, the more likely they will have sex that is, is oh, not within marriage. Right, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah that, that's just so, a, um, regardless, yeah, so, regardless of religious affiliation, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Right. So why is it so hard to wait? I mean, be, you know, because it is and because we have this natural desire to, to right. be with our beloved. So one should not overlook that desire. One should discern co- properly right. what the desire means, right? I mean, because, you know, men can desire far more than just the woman in front of them, Right. So right. they need social control and support, which, which, which pressing them in one direction rather than lots of other directions. We need communities around these men, churches right. and other sure. kinds of institutions sure. that, and it's, that it's, help you know, them. It's, it's not something that you should think, oh, what's wrong with men, right? Men and women are distinctively different uh, in this domain and in others. Now, so compensate for it. Adjust for that. Um, help make it work. And if you just leave things to chance, this is it's foolish. Right? Well, that's, that's why we have to roll up our sleeves. It, it, this concerns all of us, doesn't yeah, it? All absolutely. of us. Absolutely. And it doesn't um, go away once you get married. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, do you have advice for older single Christians whose dating pool keeps shrinking? Right. Uh, this is a direct follow-on here. A uh, different person asking, but a direct follow-on. Uh, they keep dating pool keeps shrinking, but they don't want to compromise on their faith values. Right, right. I'm not sure what you mean by faith values. Uh, that, I, I guess I'm reading into that that it means uh, you don't want to date somebody who is not not a Christian. I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. Or because, or who's just very gigoloistic in right, their behavior. Yeah, well, yeah. That that's a non-starter. That part. Yeah. Um, there are people who, and and I'm not suggesting marrying outside the faith, but there are. There are some men who improve in their faith after marriage. We've all known bunches of them. Absolutely. Right? So, My father was one of them, yeah. So, you know, it, evaluate sort of what you mean by that statement, right? Um, so there are men who are not antagonistic towards faith, but who have never been wooed into it or have sort of seen... And marriage can actually be a modeling thing, right? I mean, even... St. Paul talks about sort of... Um, oh, a, an unbelieving husband with women married can, to a... Yeah. You know, are, are often known for witnessing to their unbelieving husbands, right? That's right. Husbands, right? Paul does talk so very clearly. So there's variations of unbelief, right? That's you right. Know, uh, there are people who have a belief uh, in Christ, but just it's underdeveloped, right? Yes. So, but I'm not, you know, I think rabid atheism is... Uh, out of the question. Yeah, sure. There, there is a difference between being antagonistic and being a, open. And, you marry a gigolo and yeah, that's well, what you're going to get. Right, I mean, that's exactly. Not, that's, that's a trait that's probably not going to change a lot. Does postmodernism as such, uh, I mean, that's kind of a slippery term, but um, yeah, put, put your, you know, you're a sociologist, not a philosopher, but uh, does that, um, has that contributed those kinds of concepts, at least the popular concepts, to the like, shift kind of in definition we, of marriage? What kind of concepts are we talking about? Well, the, the shift in the meaning of marriage that you were talking about. Yeah, see, the shift in the meaning of marriage, is it postmodern? I mean, it's, it's not about standards Or is it modern? It is, uh, you know, see, I don't look at that as a postmodern shift. Maybe okay. some people do. Yeah. I just don't operate in that lingo. Okay. You know, well, that's okay. That's so, all right. Um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. Okay. Because I don't know sure what they mean. All right. They can ask you afterwards. Right. Um, um, 
Many will observe that men are now passive, but yes. only because women are too aggressive and vice versa. That's, that's what they so say. What are we are, not seeing and doing right? And then you said, because, because women because, are? Because, but only because women are too aggressive and vice versa. That's what this, how this reads. What are we not seeing and doing right? What are we not seeing and doing right? Uh, this is also a, a phenomenon that crosses international boundaries. In fact, I heard most about the sort of passiveness of men in Russia. Um, I'm not entirely clear why, although, I mean, Russia's an interesting case. They had, they had a sort of a, a strong version of feminism um, and, and utter equality in the economy back in the 1920s and 30s already, right? They pulled away well, from the, that the, over time. The entire Stalin-esque right. kind of experiment right. was... And then, um, in 1990, when the Soviet Union collapses, the economy hits the wall. I mean, try to shift from a, uh, a collectivism to a what is essentially crony capitalism yeah. really right. quickly, and bad things happen. So it was awful. men yeah. were in a tough spot, and women kind of pulled them out of the gutter in the 90s, and I'm sorry, in the yeah, 90s and 2000s. So a lot wow. of the, the people I interviewed have uh, paternal experiences of this kind of thing. Like their okay, dads, their parents were, they, yeah. They, a lot of divorces and yeah. a lot of, they don't know their dads, dad drank himself to death, et cetera. Right. So um, that, has, that has happened, and it bothers the women that they have become a little more harsh and not less soft. The, the women and that, have, and that yeah. Men have become a little more passive. Now, so there can be sort of cultural and economic reasons for that. Yeah. But there also can be, like, if you think about, um, back to the exchange relationship, right? And if a, a, this sort of relationship plays on his terms too early, okay? Which means if you add sex too early to a relationship... He's happier than she is with That's it, right. typically speaking. That's right. Okay? And, and we're back and to the it, Uber driver. it kind of breeds there, a little yeah. apathy yeah. for him, right? Yeah. Such that it's like, oh, this is a good deal. Right? Yeah. I mean, Why get so, married? You know, eventually they, they can mature out of that. But uh, So passivity can kind of go together with men having things too good. Getting what they want without <laughs> right. having to, yeah. Right? Yeah. Instead of having to kind of earn things, because they're actually primed to earn things. They actually want to earn things. They feel a strong sense of masculine identity from earning things. So um, make them earn it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that tends to, that tends to co correlate with a little bit less passivity. Okay. Good. Um, you have to expect men to do that, though. Right. Women, I mean, men, uh, women will get whatever they expect from men. Not necessarily one woman from another man. But, but like in general. Women in general. Like, yeah. If you expect great things from men, they will do great I, I things. I think that is huge. Yeah. That is huge. Um, there, there's so many here. Let me... Um, with, with dating, have studies today shown that females prefer the guy to make the first move? I, I think... You've studies as old as yeah, human okay. history. Yes, as old as yeah. the hands of time. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Back. To, I mean, back to the exchange relation. She wants to be wooed. Yeah. She's kind of expecting to be wooed, and she wants somebody who takes action. You know, 
That's, well, that hasn't changed. Um, the norms supporting that have changed and eroded. Right. But um, people still appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, what are the outcomes <clears throat> for society of perceptions shifting from marriage being mainly about childbearing to be to being mainly about companionship. You've, you've, well, you've kind of covered that some again, of that. The, what, what are the are outcomes the, for the a outcomes society like that? Of society, that's, that's difficult to... Mr. Sociologist, what are the difficult outcomes? Difficult to answer that. Um, I mean, we, we see it reflected a little bit, you know, fertility rates have fallen. I mean, they've, they've fallen notably in the United States in the past seven or eight years. I mean, we were kind of stably, barely making reproduction, uh, uh, Reproducing ourselves, 2.1. Um, <laughs> yeah. And now we're in the 1.7 to 1.8 range, which is notably, I mean, you think, oh, that's just a 0.3. Um, that actually makes a pretty big difference. Uh, and there's something that is theoretically called the fertility trap, which we're well away from yet, but down by 1.2, 1.3, if you have, if you could, tra if a country gets trapped there for an entire generation, 20, yeah. 25 years, right. That next generation has, has no sort of psychic, cultural, perceptual understanding of something different than lowest low fertility. And it would to be the extent very that there difficult. is a next generation, I mean, that would be, be very, a small there generation. There will be, but like they, they yeah. will not, you know, they, it's hard to break out of that. Yeah. Individuals can break out of it, but they'll seem like freaks. Yeah, right. Right. So um, one of the things to, to be concerned about when you sort of move well away from children is, um, you know, the future economy. I mean, it's, it's really ironic that for several years we were going to bat politically for um, public funding of contraception. At the same time, we were worried about our f fertility rates. And we're, labor economists were worried about, you know, the future and how we're going to pay for Social Security. We just right. found out what, last week that next year is the, the end of the, the surplus. Now we're going to be in the red and Social Security starting year after next, right? Um, the, yeah, that the, doesn't really The baby bust. Sense. Yeah, exactly. But we hold these things in tension, you know. The personal right of people's freedom to do one thing and to try to back that freedom, endorse it with a, gee, the collective amount of everybody's personal choices is going to cause us all a world of pain, yeah. and, but downstream, right? Right. We don't have to worry about it because it's several years in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And then we think, well, we've got global warming and we need a smaller, right? It's... Uh, all signs point to serious recession at some point. Yeah. Because, not because of like the, the fluctuations of markets, but the... But because the, of the lack of The lack children. of demand, yeah. right? I mean, for example, Toys of Us go out of business because their business model doesn't work anymore. That's, yeah. It's like, it's a little bit like a canary in the coal mine, who, right? Who knew that, yeah. you know, the, uh, the giraffe was a harbinger of doom? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We laugh um, now. I know. We I'm laugh sure now. We're laugh I'm, I'm in 20 years. whistling but in yes. the dark. Okay. I, 
I don't, this is the last thing, and we'll need right. to close this down, but I, I don't think it's, this is an opinion, somebody sharing an opinion, I don't think it's so much women wanting to be asked by the man anymore. We want it to be more of a consensual agreement, a decision arrived at together. What, marriage? I, I'm guessing marriage or... I mean, well, you want a man to want it, right? Um, I mean, didn't, I mean like, didn't, didn't they sing in the 70s, I, mean, I want well, you to want me, uh, cheap trick? Uh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. But a, a man asking a woman I mean, is, is gaining her consent in marrying, right? Some people have the experience of they were asked before they were ready, you know, because some men make the kind of goofy uh, <laughs> approach too soon. Right. right. Right? And then she feels social expectations around this. So yeah. I think that's suboptimal. Um, but a man asking a woman you mean, is that a sociologist's phrase for stupid, right. suboptimal? Uh, okay. I say that word a lot. <laughs> Wait, uh, that's how you've described me, Mark. Okay, anyway. Um, so it's a, you know, he's getting her consent by asking her, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, right. I disagree. Okay, all right, yeah. fair enough. So. Um, Hey, let's thank Mark. Thank you for coming here, Mark. This Welcome. is great. Sure. This is great. Um, and can you just hang around just a yeah, little bit in case uh, some people want to talk? Yep. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. These are important things, and the church is uniquely positioned to address these things into the future. So don't be afraid of these questions. Let's keep thinking on these things together. Thank you. Good night, everybody.